let you know who we are. I'm Doug Bradley from KUCI. This is another gentleman from KUCI. And this is uh, from the New University, which is our campus newspaper. And I'd like to ask you, maybe I should put on the headphones to make sure I'm hearing everything. I was at your talk today, uh, Dr. Teller, and uh, we, we, of course, taped that also, and we'll be giving you a copy of that. Um, a few questions that we've prepared. According to the latest edition of Soviet military power, which the Pentagon released yesterday, the Soviet Union proposes to deploy a land-based anti-missile laser defense system, perhaps by the end of this century. Why has the Pentagon chosen not to pursue developing such a land-based system of defense? Uh, land-based lasers are for defense are in an experimental stage that the Soviets would actually be ahead of us in this field is not a surprise. Uh, the Nobel Prize for lasers have been given to three people. Charlie Towns in the United States, Vasov and Prokhorov in the Soviet Union. Charlie Towns spends practically all his time in investigating in a very interesting way processes near the center of our galaxy. A very high level scientific enterprise showing excellent taste. Bezov and Prokhorov are well known to be close to the military and working with In this whole field, the Soviets appear to have the technical advantage. We are taking these possibilities seriously. I have been arguing that we should go faster, but we are clearly in the developmental stage. And your main question, why don't we announce this to a greater extent? is a political question that I really don't, I can't answer. If they ask me whether they should or should not announce it more explicitly, I would have to think seven times and then probably come up with the correct answer. I don't know. I see. Thank you. Um, Kasper Weinberger is quoted in the Los Angeles Times this morning as saying that if the Soviets should get a kind of defensive system that we are doing research on now, that is referring to the Star Wars system, he says you'd have a very much more dangerous world in which stability would not be one of the factors that you'd be permitted to talk about any longer. Do you feel we would increase world stability by possessing such a laser defense system, or are American scientists just keeping up with the Joneses in developing this uh, aerial defense system? The fact is that the Joneses are ahead of us, and we have not kept up with them. Uh, unfortunately, the obvious Soviet uh, deficiencies in their civilian technology has blinded us to the fact that in military respects 
in many important relations, probably in most important relations, the shoe is on the other foot. The Soviets are ahead of us. And Cap Weinberger uh, is quite right in pointing out the dangers in the present situation and the necessity of imaginative research. Okay, so would you say that we need to develop the same types of defense systems that they are developing or that we should develop other types? Uh, he, says, he says it would be dangerous to let them uh, be the sole possessors of a laser defense system, but in your talk today you seem to indicate that there were better ways of defending America. I did not do so. I only said that the laser system is not necessarily the only one, and even less is it clear that it is the best one. There are many approaches, and the various laser systems, of which again there is a great variety, are among the most important. There are um, if, as you propose today, the Soviets intend to continue expanding until they encompass the globe, and this is a rather broad question, what do you recommend Americans do to stop this, or is such a thrust stoppable? I believe it is stoppable, and I believe that the best way to stop it is a double-edged approach. One is much more emphasis on research, particularly of defensive weapons, and the other is closer, more thorough cooperation with our allies, particularly with free advanced democracies. You know, we are overdoing our secrecy and thereby hampering our own progress. One kind of secrecy designation is called no form, N-O-F-O-R-N, which means no form distribution. You must not tell anyone who is not an American citizen, no matter what his clearance is. It is one of the security modalities which I'm least fond of. We ought to work on research, sharing all information, and if some of it leaks out, even a lot of it, the Soviets. We should realize that it probably is leaking, even under present circumstances. And furthermore, by our limiting our communication with our allies, we are hampering ourselves more than we are slowing down the Soviets. Yeah. On a slightly different topic, um, but still related to defense, 
Cruise missiles are designed to be small enough to avoid detection through satellite and other surveillance systems, uh, so they can be shipped all around the world without enemy intelligence knowing where they are or how many we have. How do you feel the deployment of these weapons by both the United States and the USSR will affect arms limitation pacts, which rely on mutual surveillance to establish documentation of compliance? I believe that cruise missiles are very reasonable instruments. Uh, it is a peculiar point that my good friend Harold Brown, with whom I agree in some respects and disagree in other respects, is the one who was the main motive force in uh, introducing the cruise missiles, which, as you point out, make arms limitations much more difficult. At the same time, he is more, has more reservation about defensive weapons, which, again, in my opinion, are even more important than the cruise missiles, and me, by decreasing fears on both sides make reasoned discussion particularly about positive collaboration in science, in peaceful research, it may make all this more of a possibility. Do you view the Russians as a perennial threat to the United States or do you foresee a day when we might be able to get along with them? That depends on our own behavior. If the Soviet drive toward world domination continues to proceed from one success to the other, it is not going to stop. If in Cuba, in Afghanistan, in Southeast Asia, in Africa, in Central America, they continue to succeed. Their policy will not change. If, for instance, by developing defensive weapons and by taking firm positions against further Soviet encroachment, Uh, we can show that they cannot expect any more successes. Then I believe present Russian leadership will not change. But their children may behave differently. After all, the difference between Tsarist Russia and Soviet Russia is not so very great except that the Soviet regime appears to be more efficient and probably also more horrible. Something that has its roots in the last seven or eight centuries 
is not going to change in one negotiation, not even in a few years. In a few decades, it can and should begin to change. Do you feel that the American foreign policy under a president who cannot last more than eight years at a time, or rather under a series of such presidents, is stable enough to uh, warrant a stable change on the part of the Russians? I believe that it is. Uh, the dominant policy in our political parties seem to endure, seem to outlive the presidents. There has been a rather unfortunate drift to the left not in the Democratic Party as a whole, but in a series of Democratic candidates for the presidency. Uh, prior to that, there has been a long-term drift, a very desirable in American policy introduced by Roosevelt away from isolationism. Even if we had a president who could last for 50 years, who will guarantee that he won't change his mind? You cannot ask for of democracy that it should be perfect. And our greatest need at the present moment does not seem to be an extension of the term of office, of possible office of the president. One last question. You've been very kind in giving us so much time. Um, you said that you feel in order to thwart Soviet expansionism, we would need to establish defense measures that would convince them that they cannot continue taking one country after another. Would you regard these as defense measures that should be primarily uh, uh, conventional or at least within the battlefield? And if, for instance, should we defend Afghanistan, or are you maintaining that by defending America we can keep them out of countries like Afghanistan? That has to be judged case by case. I, for one, see much more hope in supporting the Contras in Nicaragua than in supporting the heroic resistors in Afghanistan. And I can tell you why, even apart from the obvious geographical reasons. A slightly more detailed reason is that our only access to Afghanistan is through uh, Pakistan. Now, Pakistan 
is under pressure from India and also from Soviet-dominated Afghanistan. For them to survive, they must be very cautious. And their government is not clearly a majority government either. Therefore, in the case of Afghanistan, we had a case of we have a case of great need and complete justification, but a very serious lack of means how support could be given to them. I don't think that without a defense of the United States anything is possible. But I also don't believe that defense of the United States in itself suffices. More needs to be done, but what more is to be done should be done short of war. And how far one goes in every specific case has to be discussed case by case. Thank you very much.